We're going to get back into the book of Genesis this morning, into Genesis 11. But since we took the summer off, I'd like to recap for you a little bit of what we've covered so far in the book of Genesis. We've had a theme of blessing. Adam and Eve had the blessing of God to go forth and multiply. That blessing was repeated to Noah. And then we saw the blessing go on through Shem uh, after Abel was killed by Cain. And then we saw the curse come upon Satan first. And then we were told that there would be a battle between the seed of, or the offspring of the woman and the offspring of Satan. And we questioned who is the offspring of Satan. Well, that would be uh, people like Cain because Cain was cursed. And then we go on forward to the story of Noah and his sons. And then Ham went into his mother and had Canaan. And so Canaan was cursed. Okay, so we saw that curse go from Satan to Cain to Canaan. And then also the earth was cursed because of Adam's sin. As far as this offspring, we saw a promised offspring of the woman would one day crush the head of the serpent. That's the promise that we were given. And it's uh, the offspring of the woman is going to come from God's blessed line. The offspring of the serpent are those who, like Satan, reject God's rule. Adam's son, Seth, is when people began to call upon the name of the Lord in chapter four, verse 26. After the flood, we met this character named Nimrod, whose name means son of rebellion or we will rebel. He's described as a mighty man, which recalled the rebellion of the sons of God in Genesis 6 when God destroyed the world with a flood. Nimrod develops quite a reputation or name for himself. And Nimrod's kingdom begins at Babel, which means gate of the gods. We found the first mention of nations in chapter 10, verse 5 and 20 and 31. We also find the Bible's first mention of kingdom In verse 10 or chapter 10, verse 10, speaking of Nimrod's kingdom. And we finished the last time we were in Genesis by seeing that the Lord dispersed the nations. He disinherited the nations by confusing their languages. And our our conclusion there was rebellion against God leads to exile from God's rule. The Lord put the nations out. And he is no longer going to be the Lord of those nations. And then also in the divine council, there was a rebellion. And so those guys are now ruling over the nations. They are now what we call in the New Testament, the authorities and powers in the heavenly places. They're the evil uh, beings. And so we find all that. And then we find in uh, chapter 11, starting at verse 10, we have Shem who has the blessing. And we have ten generations that lead us to the next person of the covenant, which is Abram. And uh, with the nations in exile after Babel, the question becomes, will there be a nation where the Lord is the king? And what about the promised offspring of the woman who will crush the head of the serpent? And I've entitled the message this morning, Out of Exile, the Lord Calls His Nation. Out of Exile, the Lord Calls His Nation. Now, we're going to start reading in Genesis chapter 11, verse 27. 
and following. And we're going to read the story of Abram. Now, these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the Oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And I just remind you that the Canaanites were the cursed children of Ham. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who, who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negeb. This morning, you need to know that God's nation is comprised of those with faith in Jesus who follow him in this world as they await the new. Okay, you need to know that God's nation is comprised of those with faith in Jesus who follow him in this world as they await the new. Now, you may say that's kind of a strange conclusion to draw from that passage, but I hope that you will see it as we work our way through Okay, the Lord's nation, first of all, is to come from Abram and dwell in Canaan. And we have so we have Abram's exodus to begin the Lord's nation. We must remember that Moses is writing to the Israelites as they have come out of Egypt. Notice how Abram's story echoes what is happening to the children of Israel. Notice the exodus pattern, something that we find in our Bibles are uh, what one person that I've read terms promise filled patterns, promise filled patterns. We see patterns in the scripture that are repeated and they have God's promises on them. And we will see them repeated throughout the scriptures and we will see them repeated in the life of Jesus. And then we'll see them repeated in our own lives. And it helps us to trust the Lord as these patterns reoccur. OK, so we look for those as we're reading the scriptures and what we find here is an exodus pattern because Abram 
like the Israelites, is going to be called out of a foreign land, out of the exiled nations, just like the Egyptians are called out of Egypt. Now, he's called out of Babel, or Ur of the Chaldees. That's over in the Chaldeans. So I'm going to turn my back to you. So if we're looking at the Middle East, we're over here in the Babylon area. And he travels up to Haran. And he doesn't go straight across to the land of Canaan because there's a big desert here. So he goes up to Haran. His dad dies. And then he goes down into Canaan. So Abram is called out of a foreign land, out of the exiled nations. In Acts 7, verse 2, Stephen, as he is giving his sermon before they stoned him, Stephen said, brothers and fathers, hear me. The glory of God appeared to our father when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. So his claim is that Abram heard this call to go out from among his people to the land of Canaan. But when they get to Haran, they settled there. Okay. Abram's dad dies just short of the promised land. Okay. Abram enters the land then, which has Canaanites living in it. So now then we look at that pattern in Abram's life and we see the Israelites have also been called out of Egypt. Their parents fail to enter the promised land and die in the wilderness. Now the children are preparing to enter the promised land, which is filled with Canaanites. They need Abram's faith to enter Canaan. So I think as Moses wrote this to the children of Israel, his main point with them was whether they were in the wilderness or in exile in Babylon. Israel needs the faith or by faith to follow the Lord who brought them out of Egypt and promised them the land of Canaan. Okay? They need to have Abram's faith here. And as far as these patterns go, we also see a, a pattern with Abram. In that his father had three sons, one who died, and then Abram receives the blessing. Just like Adam, we're told about three sons. He had more, but we're told about three, one of which was killed. And then uh, Abram, or, or excuse me, Seth had children that called upon the name of the Lord. And in our passage today, we see Abram calling upon the name of the Lord like Seth and his children. So we have these patterns that we see in Scripture. Now, the Lord calls Abram out of the exiled nations to begin his great nation and dwell in a land that will eventually be Abram's. So I'm just going to work my way through uh, this passage and, and tell you what's going on. And then we'll make some observations out of it. So the Lord calls Abram out of the nations to go to a land yet to be seen. To become a great nation and to receive the Lord's blessing, the Lord's blessing of a great name in order that he can be a blessing. And then of the Lord's protection, he's going to bless those who bless him and curse those who curse him. And then he's also going to have the singular offspring that blesses the nations, the Abrahamic covenant, the promise of Christ. So God promises all that. And then Abram's faith is exhibited after his father dies on the way to Canaan and despite Sarah's barrenness and despite his age being 75 years old. And he exhibits his faith despite all these things by obeying, by going into the land of Canaan. Once in the land of Canaan, the Lord promises Abram Canaan land. Now, that's going to be foreshadowed by the children of Israel going in to the land of Canaan. 
and taking it. But then it is amplified and fulfilled in Christ and the new creation. And we'll see that in just a minute. But then Abram sojourns there by faith, despite dwelling in the presence of the cursed Canaanites. He dwells by faith, calling upon the name of the Lord. So this is the story of Abram here. But this story is amplified and fulfilled in Christ Jesus, the promised offspring of Eve and also of Abraham, who will be a blessing to those in the exiled nations. And so now we move on to the Lord calls his nation out of Satan's kingdom. So we have the amplification of what was pictured in the story of Abram being played out in Christ. The Lord calls his nation out of Satan's kingdom and into his kingdom through faith in Christ the King for a creation yet to be seen. For a new creation yet to be seen. So God calls his nation out of the exiled nations under the rule of Satan. We are all, by birth and by choice, sinners under the reign of Satan. If you look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, you'll see there, and I've put those on your handout. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3, speaks about all of us. He says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. Now, who is that? Satan. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Some people deserve hell more than others, but nobody deserves heaven. We were born children of wrath, deserving wrath. So if we are all by nature and choice citizens of Satan's kingdom, then how do we become citizens of God's nation? How do we become a part of the great nation that comes from Abraham? Well, that's through faith in Christ, the king of God's nation. So God calls his nation out of the out of Satan's kingdom into his kingdom through faith in Christ, the king. God's nation is comprised of those who place their faith in Jesus, Abraham's offspring. Look at Galatians chapter three, verses seven through nine. As Paul argues this, we're not saved in Galatians. We're not saved by our works, but by faith. That faith is a faith like Abraham's faith. Verse 7 of Galatians 3. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. Referring to the passage, our passage this morning. So then, verse 9, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham. The man of faith. So God's nation is comprised of those who place their faith in Jesus, Abraham's offspring. Now, how does that happen? Well, first, I want you to understand that Christ is the offspring of Abram who inherits the promises of God made to Abraham. Jesus is the promised king of God's people, the offspring of Abraham. Matthew 1 1 says this, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ The son of David, which David was the king of God's people, and the son of Abraham. 
the very progenitor of God's nation. We see in Galatians 3, verse 16. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. Paul is arguing that this promise here is made to a singular offspring, and that offspring is Jesus Christ. Now, if Christ is the only offspring who inherits the promises, then we need to be joined to him. We become heirs according to the promise when we are joined to Christ. It's done when we are given the Holy Spirit who joins us to Christ. Look at Galatians 3.14. He writes there, So that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. When we place our faith in Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Spirit joins us to Christ. Now we are in Him. Once we are joined to Christ, we are sons of God and Abraham's offspring. We become heirs of God according to the promise made to Abraham. Look at Galatians 3, verses 26 through 29. Once we're placed in Christ, then it says, verse 26, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you were as baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. So now, as sons of God, we are now part of the Lord's great nation, promised to Abraham. And as heirs, we will also inherit the promised land. And so... God has called us out of Satan's kingdom into his kingdom through faith in Jesus Christ to a new creation yet to be seen. As I said previously, Abraham's story is amplified and fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the offspring. The promised land is a picture of the earth in the new creation. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 10. This Passage is referred to, it's in the, what we call sometimes the Faith Hall of Fame. And we're going to read about Abraham's faith there. And, but in Hebrews 11, we're going to find that Abraham knew that the promised land as it was, was not the ultimate goal of what God was promising him. Okay? There's an amplification that was going to occur. Look at Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer And builder is God. He's in the promised land, but he knows that that's not the ultimate promised land. He's looking for that city that's going to come down out of heaven. We're told in Revelation it's going to come to the earth, which is God's cosmic temple. We're we're winding our way all the way back to Genesis that God's temple is the earth. It's a place where he is to be known and worshipped. And that's been messed up by sin, but one day it will be recreated. New Jerusalem will come down out of heaven. 
and we'll have the earth wholly inhabited by God's children who are making him known and worshiping him. So, as God's children, we get to inherit the earth in the new creation. So it's not just the promised land, it's not just Israel, it's the earth. Philippians 3, verses 20 and 21 talks about how our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subject all things to Himself. We are citizens of God's nation, of His kingdom. And then one day He's going to give us bodies that will last for eternity, but where will they dwell? Well, Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 5 the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. But then verse 5 says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit what? The earth. See, this whole world's going to be remade. And we get to inherit the earth. The Lord is calling you out of Satan's kingdom to become a part of his great nation, which will one day inherit the new creation. And I urge you today, if you have never trusted Christ as your savior, perhaps the day is today is the day that God is calling you to come out from under Satan's reign and rule to repent of your sin and come into God's kingdom through faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So repent and believe the gospel. Believe that Christ came and died for your sins and was resurrected to be the king of his people, to justify his people. Believe that message and then live for him as we await the new creation. You see, you need to know that God's nation is comprised of those with faith in Christ and who follow him in this world as they await the new. Now, we turn to how the Lord's people are to follow Jesus in this world as Abram followed the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord in the land that was inhabited by Canaanites. The Lord's people are to follow Jesus in this present world as Abram sojourned among the cursed Canaanites calling upon the name of the Lord like Adam's son Seth did, we are to follow Jesus in this world. I see three ways in which we, like Abraham, are to follow Jesus in this world. The Lord's people are to follow Jesus in this world, despite the presence of the ungodly, by obeying the commands of Jesus, by being a blessing to others, and by entrusting judgment to the Lord. First, the Lord's people are to follow Jesus in this world by obeying the commands of Jesus. In Genesis 12:8, in the last part, it says there that Abram built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. To call upon the name means to worship as Lord or as King. Worship is obedience. So we are to worship the Lord by obeying the commands of Jesus. Jesus said in John 14:15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Adoration of Christ is a key in our sanctification. We become like what we adore. Get to know Jesus and adore him and be changed into his image. Like Abram, you are to follow Jesus as you sojourn in this world ruled by Satan until the new creation. 
when we will inherit the earth. Now, part of what this means to call upon the name is that we don't get to choose what's right and what's wrong. We don't say that Christ is our savior and then live any way we want to. We don't pick and choose what is sin and what's not. God defines that. Jesus is our king and we are to obey all of his commandments. So the Lord's people are to follow Jesus in this world by obeying the commands of Jesus, all of his commands. But the Lord's people are also to follow Jesus in this world by being a blessing to others. Genesis 12, verse 2, the Lord says to Abram, and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. We are to be a blessing to others in this world. Luke 6, 28 says this, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. First Peter 3, 9 tells us, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. See, like Abraham, we are to be a blessing to others. We represent God's rule on this earth and he gives blessings to the evil and the good. Matthew 5, again, back to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verses 43 through 45, Jesus says this, You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's a very worldly statement, right? I mean, that's just how the world operates. You love the people that love you and you hate the people that hate you. But verse 44 says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. So we are to bless the people around us, even those who do not treat us well. It is one of the hallmarks of Christianity is we are to be known for our good works And to respond in a way that's not like the world. We are to love people who don't love us. It's not natural. It's supernatural. So the Lord's people are to follow Jesus in this world by obeying his commands and being a blessing to others. But also by entrusting judgment to the Lord. Look in Genesis 12 verse 3. Abram is promised the protection of the Lord. He says, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Look then to Romans 12, verse 14. It says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Skip forward to verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, the Christian response... To mistreatment is blessing. It's good. Doing good. Not a natural thing, but a supernatural thing. We trust the Lord. We entrust judgment to the Lord. Second Thessalonians 1, verses 6 through 8. God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well to us 
Now, that sounds good, right? And if we just stop there, we'd say, well, when somebody mistreats me, I'm just going to sit back and wait for the lightning bolt. Right. But it doesn't stop there. When when is God going to grant relief to you who are afflicted? (laughs) When is he going to repay with affliction those who afflict you? Well, the second part of verse seven, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, the Lord Jesus Christ fights his battles for his people. That's why we don't avenge ourselves. So in situations where we're mistreated, we must trust that he is working good out of our situation. And God will righteously judge those who persecute you when he returns to make all things new. So we're not to respond to people in a way that is uh, like the world. We need to respond in a way that's foreign to the world's way of responding. We're not to avenge ourselves. You see, I can't control how people treat me, but I do control my response to people. My response is my responsibility. So, out of exile, the Lord calls his nation. And you need to know that God's nation is comprised of those with faith in Jesus who follow him in this world as they await the new. And if you're here today and you have never trusted Christ as your Savior then you need to repent of your sin and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Come out from Satan's rule. Repent of your sinful way and ask God to forgive you because of what Christ did for you in His death, burial, and resurrection. And then, join a church as we follow Jesus together, as we await that new creation That eternal Sabbath going all the way back to the days of creation. The day that has no end, where God is the light and people dwell in His presence. Please, this world is its going to end. It's going to be remade. There are a lot of shiny toys that can be distracting down here. But live your life for Christ and the new creation. And for the members of Faith Baptist Church and the people here who call upon the name of the Lord, we must follow Jesus in this world despite the presence of the ungodly. And we do that by obeying the commands of Jesus, by being a blessing to others, and entrusting judgment to the Lord.